Hello and welcome to Get Me Another, a podcast where we explore those movies that followed in the wake of blockbuster hits and attempted to replicate their success. My name is Chris Iannico, and with me, as always, is my co-host Rob Lamorgis. The future belongs to chaos and to science. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's what they keep telling me. That's what they keep telling me. For this, the sixth episode of our Get Me Another Conan the Barbarian series, I would like to step into the Wayback Machine. Come with us on a journey to the past. Not the mythic era of ancient Greece, where today's films are set. Not even to the 1980s, when Messrs. Golan and Globus's canon films stood astride the cinematic world like a colossus. No, I want you to come back with us to May of 2022 when Rob and I first encountered a film so confounding it broke both of our brains. That film was Starcraft, ah! directed and co-written by Italian filmmaker Luigi Cosi. Rob, now, many months later, do you have any new feelings or, or thoughts on Starcraft? Because it's germane to today's episode. I have to say that of all of the movies that I hadn't seen, from our Get Me Another Star Wars series, for good and for ill, it is the one that has stuck with me the most. I know Liabe Seeds, I know Je the General, <laughs> who works for the military. Yes. I don't remember anything from the humanoid, <laughs> but Star Crash <laughs> is etched in my brain. Yeah. yeah, it 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 is you know, it comes up on social media a lot. There'll be a Star Crash meme or 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 some kind of reference to it, and I immediately start having, you know, sort of flashbacks to it. And I'm never Rob, I'm never gonna get completely well from Star Crash. Like Star Crash will be with me for the rest of my life. You never stop being someone who saw Star Crash, Chris. You can only be someone who's dealing with the fact that they saw Star Crash. It's true. It's absolutely true. And and it is significant because Luigi Cosi was the man behind both of the movies we'll be discussing today. The first of which is 1983's Hercules. <laughs> From the depths of space comes the strongest man on Earth in the Super Adventure Odyssey. Hercules. The incredible Lou Ferrigno is Hercules. In a battle with unearthly creatures, Hercules, the superhuman hero with the strength of an army. Hercules facing love and the bewitching forces of evil. Hercules, the all-new adventure. Hercules, a mythic flight of the imagination. Hercules, the legend comes alive. The incredible Lou Ferrigno is Hercules. 
a Golan Globus production from the Canon Group. Hercules was produced by Menahem Golan and Yoram Globus, and as we've mentioned before, it was written and directed by Luigi Cozy. And I have to say, Rob, at the outset, Hercules is way more narratively coherent than Star Crash. Not that it doesn't have its quirks, but it holds together far better. Absolutely. And I think for me, for both of the movies today, not to get ahead of ourselves, there was a certain point that I realized that these are films for children, or at least for the whole family, which puts it all in a much different light. Um, You can't look at these things like being like, Conan the Barbarian. Yes. I had even wondered if we had just gone too far afield with these, but I think because, you know, I, I think there's a lot that, that it, it does draw from Conan, especially just coming, being yeah. Lou Ferrigno, you know, being the strongman archetype. And I think, you know, we talked about in our very first episode of Get Me Another Conan that the sword and sorcery movies are kind of descendants of these Italian-made sword and sandal movies, known also as peplum which peaked in popularity in the 50s and 60s. The most successful sword and sandal character was unquestionably Hercules, who was most famously played by Steve Reeves in two films in 1958 and 1959. One particular fan of those Steve Reeves Hercules movies was a boy from Brooklyn named Lou Ferrigno. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Lou Ferrigno because I think he's got an incredible story. As an infant, he suffered a series of ear infections that left him with only about 20% of his hearing. And as a consequence of this, he developed a severe speech impediment that left him practically unable to speak. Teased and ridiculed by other kids, Ferrigno turned to bodybuilding in his early teens. Unable to afford weights, he used a broomstick filled with, you know, with pails, with attached to pails filled with cement. And in addition to working on his body, he also worked on his speaking skills. Uh, he eventually entered the world of professional bodybuilding and won both the Mr. America and Mr. Universe titles. For a time, he trained with Arnold Schwarzenegger and the rivalry between both men during the 1975 Mr. Olympia competition was chronicled in the classic documentary Pumping Iron. And that I, I have had a chance mm-hmm. to watch that movie, and it is fantastic. And Schwarzenegger and Ferrigno are at the very center of it, and their relationship is absolutely fascinating. Did you feel the pump when you watched it, Chris? Oh, yeah. Oh. Did you get the pump? Oh, I felt the pump. Oh, yeah. Oh, I felt the pump. Ferrigno subsequently went on to star as the title character in the 1970s television series, The Incredible Hulk, as the alter ego of Bill Bixby's David Banner. And it's a show that I was a fan of as a kid, and I'm still a fan of as an adult. Um, It's funny. There was an episode of Mr. Rogers where they visited the set of the show And I think that was probably the first behind-the-scenes footage of any movie or TV show I've ever saw. You can find that on YouTube, and it is terrific. All of which is to say that I am a big Lou Ferrigno fan, and he's perfect for this role. If anyone ever looked the part of Hercules, it's this guy. Absolutely. And he fits the bill. Like, his physicality in particular, not just the look, but... His movements are, they are not always normal movements. It is, it feels very, um, you know, 
cinematic staged. I'm I'm struggling for words to actually describe it, but they're not normal. They feel a little more mythic, although they are completely not realistic. If that is your bag, Um, it is super stylized, but I think given the material and what this is, it works great. And, and, And in some ways helps sell some of the gags that aren't maybe totally have enough money behind them. Uh, yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, I want to say I, I, that that they dubbed Ferrigno for both of these these movies, and I kind of hate it because I think the dubbing yeah. does not serve him well at all. Uh, I mean, it, and and he didn't apparently know that he was going to be dubbed until he saw the film at the premiere. And I think it's it's unfortunate because it undercuts what otherwise is a good performance. These movies have some problems, in particular the second one, but they're not the fault of Ferrigno. Like, he's terrific. No, he's got a good presence on screen. I like watching him. Uh, It's interesting. And um, that voiceover, the dub of him, I guess not the voiceover, the dub. Yeah. It is... It is very wooden and stiff. And it is... It's unfortunate. Because I think even if you just... Even if someone else had dubbed him and done a better job with it, I think it would have made these films far different. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. To fully understand Hercules is another film we have to talk about, and that's Seven Magnificent Gladiators. That was shot back-to-back with Hercules, with mostly the same cast, including Lou Ferrigno and Sybil Danning, and both films were to be directed by Bruno Matan. Seven Magnificent Gladiators was shot first, and apparently by the end of the shoot, Ferrigno and Danning were not on speaking terms. Moreover, The resulting film was apparently so bad that Cannon put it on the shelf for a year and fired Matai from Hercules. But instead, Luigi Cozy was brought in. He was given two weeks to write a brand new script for Hercules. And (laughs) that is the movie that we are going to talk about. Uh, Sybil Danning, who plays Ariana, although her name in the credits is spelled Adriana, everybody calls her Ariana, is the daughter of King Minos. And she claimed in the press for the film that her bad relationship with Ferrigno caused the producers to give her a smaller role than initially intended. Uh, And one more thing, Ferrigno insisted the film be kid-friendly, so many of the adult aspects that were in the original script had to be excised. So this movie comes with a lot of baggage. Uh, It was was a a saga, and I mean, God, when we get to the second film, I'm going to tell you some things you won't even believe. Uh, Maybe maybe I will, because I've seen the second film. (laughs) Uh, I, I mean... The first film is interesting. It comes across to me as a cross between Clash of the Titans and Conan with a bit of Superman thrown in. But some of the material in that first film is so surreal that it's almost David Lynch-esque, particularly the scenes with the gods living on the moon. Like, it's so weird. It feels like it's it's this otherworldly thing. Yeah, there are definite sequences in this thing where you should be smoking some angel dust, I think. Just for the record, uh, Get Me Another does not encourage the use of those kind of drugs, but my God, it might fit with this movie. I mean, it's yeah, crazy. I'm not even sure if angel dust exists anymore. It might be like quaaludes. It's in the past only, <laughs> um, you know, just like um, Hercules. Yeah. Like it's just, they're so surreal and they cut back and forth between sort of the earthbound stuff and the gods on the moon that, that it's just like, I don't even know. Like it's anyway, we'll get into it. We open as more films should with the big bang and the creation of the universe. (laughs) And we are told 
in a voiceover that out of the misty radiance of the cosmos, there came forth a jar. What? Wait, what? It came forth a jar. Yes, that is correct. Apparently the jar is Pandora's jar, not box, I might add. Uh, And within it is all of the good and evil in the world. The jar explodes and the fragments of the jar form the planets in the solar system. Uh, I would ask that the audience please remember this fact because it is very important when we get to the second movie where we get an entirely different creation myth for the world. And here's my creation myth is that the spacey sounds in this sequence, I am a, I am a hundred percent certain, so certain that I won't look it up. And if someone tells me I'm wrong, I won't believe them. Uh, these are sound, sound effects from star crash. It's all like, I'm like, Oh, that's like some Liabe seed, uh, work there. I 100% believe that. Absolutely. The gods, rather than dwelling on Mount Olivus, take up residence on the moon. So let's talk about the sequences of the gods, who consist of Zeus, his scheming wife Hera, and Aphrodite. First off, the actor playing Zeus, who has this long white hair and white beard, is an absolute dead ringer for Steve Carell (laughs) in Evan Almighty. It is uncanny. Um, there's just, there's such a flimsy glam quality to these scenes. It's like they hired the creators of Studio 54 to make the Olympus scenes from Clash of the Titans. And this is what you'd come up with. Yeah. I mean, it's super spacey. They're on the moon. So you're looking at it, mostly a black space background. I, I think in this part, although you definitely get it later, but you're going to get kind of like some some rainbow prism effects coming at you through light. Yeah. Everything feels a little hazy, like my mind. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to say at the top of all of this, that I like this movie. <laughs> yes. I, know, I no, like it for I do what too. it is. I do too. It is, like, it is a lot of fun. It, I think it is more cohesive than, than, than star crash. I think it is the surreal moments are, are almost like the god scenes almost feel like something out of the the scenes with the giant from Twin Peaks the Return where it's like you know it, it's 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 so surreal you can't help but be kind of charmed yeah and it's I, this is also where i mean look this is very very common so this is not something that's just with this film um but it is always it's always taken me by surprise well not by surprise but i don't understand why all of the Greek god names are the more popular names in Western culture, except Heracles is not yes. popular, which is the actual Greek name. And everyone yes. uses the Roman name for that, but he's not going around palling around with Jupiter. It's Zeus. Or Pluto. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, yeah, absolutely. I, I no, don't that understand. Is... I, I really don't get it. I mean, I guess Hercules, there's, I don't know if it's the sound of the word or what, but you will, you will get this here. He's the only Roman name. Everyone else should have the Greek name, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And uh, yeah, it's just bizarre. Uh, I agree. As someone who grew up reading Greek mythology, I I, I 100% agree. Um, Yeah, I, I, I totally. And it's always bothered. Zeus decides, by the way, that the balance between good and evil is starting to favor evil. So he decides to create a human with the strength of the gods. And we literally see that. We see Hercules created from the skeleton up. But then... 
For some reason, Hercules must be born into a human body, so he's sent down to Earth into the body of the infant son of the king of Thebes. But in a, in, a, in a case of the most unfortunate timing, it is just before the king and his wife are betrayed and murdered. Uh, here we have a one-eyed archer who steals a massive sword. Um, the one-eyed archer must have struggled with depth perception issues, I would think. It's probably all the double exposure that's been happening, Chris. <laughs> it's messed with his vision. I hope you like double exposure when you watch vision. this movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And then... What one of my favorite moments in Hercules, the low-key sass, the guard who comes to report the theft, sasses his boss. The boss says, Have you notified anyone else, soldier? And the guy replies, literally, You're the supreme commander. Like, duh. <laughs> and of course, the supreme commander responds by killing the soldier on the spot because it turns out the supreme commander is in league with Ariana and wants the sword for her father. Apparently, the sword stops fire, and I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is. Magic At this point, sword. we get a lot of stock footage uh, from other movies. And that is a common thing in both of these films is stock footage from other movies. You will Movies you will recognize. Yeah. I mean, there's so much going on in all of this opening. Like the, so much. The voiceover sounds like it's from an old Christmas special on te- like television. You know, I have to expect yes. like Jimmy Durante to walk out or something. And be like, <laughs> old Hercules. He was in a real bind now. <laughs> and you've got like, but I will, I will oh. say with, with um, Lewis Coates, uh, excuse me. <laughs> oh, sorry. Luigi yeah. Cozy. Luigi yes. Cozy. Yes. That you get a there. This one has lots of slow zoom. So he's, he's doing that Italian uh, camera trick. And definitely there are Chris. I know that you probably were amazed when you saw these actual crane and dolly shots. I like was floor. Now there aren't many. But there were so many, but they do have it. I, I about fell out of my chair and gave myself a concussion. Oh, my God. I hope you had it looked at. Um, No, I didn't because I, I was oh, seeing right. double. I'm sure it's yeah. fine. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it's fine. You yeah. know, it's nothing. Healthcare in America. It's all it's all it's a OK. I'm sure it'll be just fine. Uh, now, listen, if you think this movie is going to focus on Hercules growing up, and returning to reclaim his rightful throne, think again, because we will not see the traitorous new king of Thebes ever again. That is gone and done. Instead, Hercules is spirited away and put in a boat on the river as if he was Moses or Elora Dannon from Willow. And some of the soldiers pursue the baby, but they're not paid very much, so they just give up once he's in the boat. Quote, the river will get rid of the child for us. Back to Thebes, our job is done. No, boys, it really isn't. And yet, it kind of was done because Hercules doesn't come back to get them. <laughs> so, they, I, you know, it Maybe was. They did fine. Yeah, job they got done. A bonus. Mission accomplished. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the boat, by the way, goes over a waterfall. And in oh, one of the most awesome. sublime moments in filmmaking I've ever seen, Zeus reaches out with a gigantic claymation hand and catches the boat. It is incredible. Yeah, really pisses Hera off too. And this, oh yeah, she's she's oh, irritated because yeah. the whole movie eventually becomes just Hera attack, Hera attack, Hera attack. But this sublime moment that you're talking about is instantly followed by another 
sublime oh, yes. moment. Yes. My favorite in the yes. whole movie. Well, and a scene actually with roots in Greek mythology where the baby Hercules is menaced by these two serpents and he just reaches out and strangles them with his bare hands. Uh, yeah, I I actually think, Chris, it was his bare fucking hands because that baby <laughs> murdered those snakes into oblivion he crushed them he with really blood I, it I was sw- i loved it yes 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 rob <laughs> damn it swear yes absolutely um it, it's amazing and, and baby hercules is found by a kindly farmer his wife from smallville uh which is a town somewhere in the peloponnesus i believe and they instantly decide to raise the child as their own uh, they don't even think twice. Yeah, the Kentuckys. When when you go into the next portion, what I love, and this is a, a Conan touch point, is you do get a cheap baby version of the wheel. Yes, yes, you do. Despite being raised in a loving family environment, unlike Conan, Hercules ends up turning a giant wheel, which honestly <laughs> might be a more unintentionally nihilistic sentiment than anything in John Milius's film. <laughs> Not a heart attack or even a, an errant tornado that takes out Hercules' adoptive father, but a bear attack. And what do you do when a bear kills your dad? What do you, you know what, you know what, I think Hercules does what any of us would do. Hercules goes on a rage and beats the living crap out of this bear and then, and then, I swear <laughs> to God, he throws it into space. He throws it into outer space. It's one of the most sublime moments in cinema of all time. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, I want to add, the bear costume that was used in this movie was all was previously used in another movie we talked about earlier in this series, Ator the Fighting Eagle. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a tone in this that I think follows that, where there is a real kind of like sweetness and naivete to the heroics in this movie. Yes. You never get, they certainly don't press it. You don't get the hubris side of Hercules that he needs to overcome. He really is just yeah. kind of a boy scout. And he's a nice guy. He's just a nice guy who wants to he's always a, do the right thing. He's just a damn nice guy. Yeah. Who can rip trees out of the ground with his bare hands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are eventually introduced to King Minos boo. of Thera. Well, let me say this. <laughs> boo in that he's the villain. Yeah. And also boo in that I think he may be one of my least favorite characters <laughs> in all of cinema. I hated this guy. I hated him, Rob. Well, then they did their job. You're supposed to hate him. Yeah. He hangs out on top of this weird skull-shaped mountain, and Minos wants to show that science is more powerful than the gods, which is weird because he's helping Hera to kill Hercules. To accomplish this, King Minos lists the aid of Daedalus, an inventor whose machines will destroy Hercules. Now, a couple notes about Daedalus. Um, In Greek mythology... Daedalus was the father of Icarus, who created the labyrinth on Crete for King Minos and was subsequently imprisoned there. He then created the wings for he and his son to fly off the island. But of course, Icarus flew too close to the sun and the wax holding the wings melted and he fell to his death. Now here, there is no mention of Icarus and the traditionally male role of Daedalus is played by an Italian transgender actress, Eva Robbins. And I swear to God, Rob, I think that she has the best costume I've ever seen in any movie ever. It has got these shoulder pads. It's got a cape. It has got a massive translucent collar with a bat-winged headpiece, a corset, and a codpiece. 
It's amazing. Yeah. And I have to say, although the scenes are short, Daedalus does not have a big role in this movie, but there's a real presence there. I think absolutely. Daedalus is a little more interesting than Minos um, in performance as well. Minos sucks. (laughs) But the beard's good. Minos's beard's nice. Beard is not bad. It's good. But he is. If I hear him say science one more time, I'm going to strangle him. Like I I could not. Oh my God. (laughs) Daedalus creates these three robots. Because, of course, if you've read Greek mythology, you know that Hercules battled three giant robots. Um, But that's the type of Hercules movie this is. And unfortunately, his adoptive mother is killed by one, and then after that, he goes off to seek his fortune. The the stop motion in this, by the way, is very much in the same style as Star Crash. Uh, It's kind of jaggy and janky, but it kind of works, too. It's really interesting. No, I mean, those sequences are fun, and I enjoy watching them. Um, You you will not believe a man can fly, but it's really fun, and the design of stuff is cool. You will believe a bear can be thrown into space, though. Goddamn right, Chris. (laughs) Um, yeah, these, I mean, these movies are just, they're just kind of fun. Again, the second one is even more bizarre, if that's possible. Uh, Hercules finds himself in the king, in in the court of a king. Uh, I can't remember the king's name. It should be in my notes, but hell with it. We cut nothing. And after a contest of strength, he wins the right to be Princess Cassiopeia's escort. But first, he has to accomplish one of the legendary tasks of Hercules, the most pedestrian of all his tasks cleaning the stables and he does so by redirecting the river um to go through the stables to clean them out and not only are they cleaned by the end but they are painted and polished how the river did that job amazing yeah and that is the last of the tasks um you know there's this wonderful chariot sequence that you will see again uh in many other movies um (laughs) where (laughs) these chariots attack hercules (laughs) And they have um, blades on their wheels and the blades are just rubber and they just kind of (laughs) go by his legs and like flop because he's strong Hercules. But my favorite, because we have more, more space throwing is when he, uh, he crushes all the wrestlers with a log and then as part of his victory throws the log into space. Amazing. Amazing. So much space throwing later on. Uh, Ariana shows up and captures Cassiopeia and she chains up Hercules and throws him into like the, 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 the sea. And he's, he's menaced by a shark. And I was actually genuinely disappointed that he didn't throw a shark into space. Yeah. That, you know, the rule of threes, right? Yeah. Again, <laughs> you, need, you need something There's else. a reason why these things are, you know, Hercules winds up an island on an island where he meets Circe, a sorceress. And, uh, and he lets her drink his blood because, well, why not? You know, and, and that allows her to go from being an old crone to a hot young woman. A reverse of the witch trend we've seen in the earlier movies in the cycle. Yes. Where you have yes. a supposedly hot witch who it turns out is, is a gross hag. This is, uh, yeah. yeah, hot bod, but 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 the the face not so much. Here she goes from being you know sort of this this old prone type to like oh super hot. So it's a you know it's a reversal of yeah. of things. And she's she's good. She's also good. Yeah, yeah, she's good. There's a lot of things in this movie that are reversals of other. Uh, we'll get to that because I oh, think yeah, there yeah. are some genuine thematic reversals. Uh, uh, yes. uh, to other movies we've talked about in this series. Anyway, Hercules, he, he says, she says to Hercules that if he can help her recover her medallion, she can get him to Thera to rescue Cassiopeia. 
Uh, and by the way, her just for the record, her medallion is located at the center of hell. And you know how you get to the gates of hell? You walk on a rainbow. You do. You walk on a rainbow bridge, which is taken right out of, you know, like it's 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 right out of uh, Norse mythology. I guess they decided, hey, it's good enough for, for Thor. It's good enough for us. Well, and I'll tell you, you know what I like watching? People walking on a rainbow bridge. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm 100% with you. I, I dig people walking on rainbow bridges. Uh, I also dig people fighting three-headed dragons. Three-headed dragon robots, which you yeah. get uh, on the way, their journey down to hell. And that is... Yeah. And, and at the River Styx, I want to say, as they're on that journey, yes, you get some really effective kind of slow motion and use of fog. It's clearly a stage set. You're not going to... Again, clearly, you will not believe that it's real. But it looks no. cool. And the staging is is like fun. The, the, the skeleton mask for, uh, you know, the... Uh, Oh gosh, the boatman! Yeah, yeah. The, with the with the the, yeah. the river sticks again. It, it is all very similar to to Clash of the Titans, and it suffers from the comparison because that was a a first rate production, and this is not. Uh, but you know, it's it's entertaining. You know, again, I said this about uh, Ator the Fighting Eagle. If I this is a movie that I would have run across on WPIX Channel 11's like Sunday afternoon movie, and I would have loved the hell out of. It. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Hercules and Circe, uh, they do retrieve the medallion, but she then reveals that it couldn't take them to Thera after all. Whoops. Uh, instead, they end up in Africa, where Hercules gets blown up to this massive size, like he's Ultraman, and separates the continents of Europe and Africa. And I love the king of Africa is carried around in a woolly mammoth skeleton, and that's the coolest thing I've seen in this movie. Yeah, I like this whole little sequence. Um, again, uh, I, I don't. It's just fun. It's just fun to me. Yeah. It's you know, it's a little cheesy. It's a little simplistic. Um, yeah. But God damn it, if there isn't like a little eight year old <laughs> inside of me just glued <laughs> to the screen for this one. So how instead, Rob, do they get to Thera? Because it's it is. It is oh, one of the signature sequences. This is why this. this is why he couldn't do the thing that you were talking about earlier. This is the rule of three for space throwing. Yes, this is it. Yes, he ties a boulder to a chariot, and he throws the boulder with such propulsive force <laughs> that it carries the chariot to Thera. Uh, and here's, I mean. Honestly, it actually brings up the the issue I have. One of the, the legitimate issues I have with this movie because it's so easy, and and that's the problem with this movie is that that her everything is so easy for Hercules. He doesn't seem to struggle at all with anything. Like you never see him kind of like have to work. When Superman is is like to get the two missiles that are headed into the opposite directions in Superman the movie. One is headed to California, the other is headed to Hackensack, New Jersey, which, by the way, terrified the crap out of me because I knew that my father's office was in Hackensack, and I was like, oh my god, that's that's you know at the time. Uh, anyway, but Superman, even being Superman, has to struggle to do that. Here, it's like Hercules; everything's too easy. And it's like, oh, it should it should be a little harder. Yeah. And that's where I think this to me is the 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 children's movie of it all, where it just it's not gonna ever it and it never signals that it's gonna do that. This is a movie where 
the struggle is someone betrays him or they throw up a new roadblock and then he just comes up and, you know, he can do it. Yeah. Although I will yeah, say, that's... you know, he couldn't separate the continents without the help of Cersei. Uh, he did. He, he had true. to ask her. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually, in a moment that I really like, he just kind of he does kind of boastfully say, oh, watch what I can do or whatever. And then as he's walking away with Cersei, he's essentially like, what the fuck are we going to do? I can't do this. Can you help me? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they get to they get to Thera, the capital of which, by the way, is Atlantis. So if that tip doesn't tip you off to what's coming, um, then. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, and here we are treated to a model that I honestly love the design of, but the execution clearly had limited funds in order to actually realize it. But the design of Atlantis is really cool. Like it's it's this amalgam of of ancient cultures, and it's really nifty. And then we get Hercules does battle uh, with the third of Daedalus's robots. This one is a robot centaur, uh, and Cersei dies. Uh, yeah. because, you know, clearly Hercules is going to get with Cassiopeia. So, well, he can't have two chicks. This isn't sorceress. And and Circe had been made to fall in love with uh, uh, Hercules at the, before this point and was, but they never really do much with that other than, uh, no. it, well, I guess it, it's, uh, it allowed once a uh, sorceress falls in love, she loses all of her power, which, uh, yeah. you know, that's a good metaphor. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Hercules comes face to face with Minos and Ariana. Uh, Minos talks about he's for science, for the sake of science, uh, but they they say that as if it's a bad thing. I don't think it is, you know. And and the sword from the beginning that was stolen actually comes back into play because I had kind of forgotten about it. And Hercules wields it in a fight with Minos and his rainbow lightsaber. And there's a whole bit with Cassiopeia being loaded into a volcano. It's like something out of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah. Um, and and Minos uh, believes he's going to release the mythical phoenix that he's captured, none of which sounds very scientific. And it comes in as late in the game as Star Crash, the Star Crash maneuver does in that film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Hercules defeats Minos and rescues Cassiopeia. And on the beach outside, we have what is the most confounding line I've ever heard in a movie. Rob, I was up at night trying to decipher the meaning of this. I am not kidding. Cassiopeia says, kiss me, Hercules. Hercules replies, wait, are you really Cassiopeia or Ariana in a new form or Circe reborn? To which she replies, I'm all of them. And none of them. I'm the one who truly loves you. Rob, what does that mean? I don't understand what that means. And I have been thinking about it since I saw this movie. And it has, it has, I don't know what that means. It means cue the explosion on screen. Cause that's what happens <laughs> in case you were. And, and that explosion to me said the line is probably just someone thought it sounded good. I, I don't think that it means uh, anything. It did. And it it bored itself Uh, what's interesting is i think what's so funny about this movie is i actually think it does have a philosophical point of view and that philosophical point of view is 180 degrees the opposite of conan conan is about a guy who discovers the gods are bullshit and here the you know like it's it's science that has to be defeated this is actually like pro 
you know, theology and pro-religion in a way that it's like, oh yeah, science is the bad thing. And like, you don't want to mess with science. You don't. And to do your uh, comparisons with Conan even more, Conan is a movie that is all about revenge, right? You want it. You need it to be a man. Here, he ends the movie. Hercules ends the movie. He really doesn't know who he is. He has no idea that the one guy who killed his family was in cahoots with the other guys. Like, getting revenge does not matter. What matters is fealty to the gods and doing your thing and getting with uh, the one who truly loves you. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's, uh, it's... Uh, it had a relatively high budget for Italian productions of this sort at the time, around $6 million, which is more than Time Bandits or The Sword and the Sorcerer, and is about two-thirds of what they had to make Beastmaster. And it actually did pretty well at the U.S. box office, making about $11 million, enough that Canon Films wanted to make a sequel. But the way they went about it <laughs> was, shall I say, highly unusual. And that brings us... To our second film, which is 1985's The Adventures of Hercules, also known as Hercules 2. From a world beyond imagination, the man with supernatural strength, Hercules, returns to save humanity from the destructive forces of evil. Sorcerers and magicians join forces in the ultimate master plan to rule the Earth. Lord of Fire! Hercules must summon untapped strength in an attempt to save mankind. Monsters of every description battle for the honor of killing Hercules. The goddess Aphrodite is captured by an evil magician in an effort to trap Hercules. I will find you! The heavens become a battlefield when Hercules meets his match. The incredible Lou Ferrigno in the all-new Hercules 2, The Adventures of Hercules. The Adventures of Hercules, a.k.a. Hercules 2, was written and directed by Luigi Cosi once again, and it also stars Lou Ferrigno, William Berger, Claudio Casanelli, and basically everybody from Hercules 1. And we have two new characters played by Millie Carlucci and Sonia Vivani. And the story behind the sequel is amazing. <laughs> okay. So you remember at the beginning, I, talk, I talked about a movie called Seven Magnificent Gladiators, which was actually shot right before Hercules, and they had put it on the shelf because it was not good. Uh, so the aforementioned Messieurs Golden and Globus were really pleased with Hercules. So they asked Luigi Cosi if he could come aboard and help salvage Seven Magnificent Gladiators. They asked him to come up with about a half an hour of new scenes for that film, and they convinced Lou Ferrigno to come back for two weeks of reshoots. Shortly after those reshoots began, Golan and Globus came up with another idea. Why not do four weeks of shooting Ferrigno and get a hour's worth of new footage and then have Cozy shoot maybe another half hour of material and bam, you have a 90-minute sequel. But here's the trick. They couldn't tell Ferrigno that they were shooting a sequel. Otherwise, they'd have to pay him for a whole other film rather than the smaller fee 
for reshoots. Well, I think we had mentioned that shooting in Italy is the Wild West uh, back then. It really is. <laughs> you're not getting Fulci to do a movie he doesn't want, and you're going to trick your talent out of hard-earned money. I mean, it's it's insane. So we, we have Cozy that has to craft a story that finds a way for Hercules to be at the locations that they had for an entirely different movie. And the whole concept is so insane, I honestly have trouble believing it actually happened. So we begin with a very long opening credit sequence that looks like the bargain basin version of the iconic Superman opening credits, the blue letters on a star field. And it takes a really long yeah. time because they are clearly trying to, you know, they got to get to that 88 minute running time and they can have a long credit sequence that will yeah. do the trick. And it, it kind of, it does morph a little bit into almost uh, like a seventies doctor who credit sequence as well with random stuff flying at you. There was a lot of stuff that reminded me that was doctor who esque. Yeah. Now, like the first film, we have a voiceover that tells us the origin of the universe. And here's the thing, and I alluded to it earlier, the two origins are completely and totally different and incompatible. I will read them for you because that's the <laughs> kind of guy I am. Hercules 1, here's the origin of the universe. In the beginning, before creation, there was darkness. From the primordial explosion, there emerged the fire of chaos. Chaos merged with darkness, and from this union were born the elements, night, day, matter, and air. And then out of the misty radiance of the cosmos, there came forth a jar, Pandora's jar, filled with all the essence, good and evil, of life itself. And from the fragments of the jar, the planets and solar systems were formed. That is the origin of the universe according to the first Hercules movie. Now, Hercules 2, the origin of the universe. Before the heavens had taken form, there existed an angel-like figure, a goddess who the ancients called Imperia. From within her came the seed of fire and light that was to issue forth all the stars, planets, and moons. Rob, I ask you, did the universe come from Pandora's jar or Imperia's seed? Because it can't be both. I have the answer for you, and it's been hiding in oh, thank plain you, it, sight. It has, I spent a long time thinking about this. So in the first film with Pandora's jar, who is King Minos's right hand? Daedalus. Daedalus. And in... Hercules 2, or the Adventures of Hercules, with this world opening, who is King Minos's right hand? It's Daedalus once again. No, it is not, Chris. It is, if you listen, Daedalus. The pronunciation is different. This is a whole mirror universe to the first film. Oh There's God. your explanation. Oh my God, it's a multiverse. They actually... Hit it in plain sight. This really is a different version. Oh, my God. I, I'm glad I could help. Well, that explains everything. I mean, and, and they were ahead of the curve because the whole multiverse thing is huge now with, yeah. with Marvel and with, with, uh, and with DC. That's why there's no Cassiopeia in once. this one. It's There's no Cassiopeia. Mm -hmm. There's no Ariana. No. Uh, it's, it, they it, don't yeah. exist. No. Yeah, Rob, you've you've saved my <laughs> sleep patterns because I was really spending time thinking. What that says about me, I don't know, but it, I was I spent a long time. Yeah, and, and some of the gods, uh, even in this film, I think some of them their minds are split between because some of them call her Hera and some call her Hera. Uh, 
Yes. So I think everyone's just a little multiverse addled. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, from this, we get a bunch of random scenes for the first film in order to pad out the running time. It's not a recap, Rob. It's just random no, scenes. No, it is not random scenes. They're awesome scenes. <laughs> it's, you're, you get the chariots. You get, you get giant Hercules separating the continents. I think you get him throwing something into space. Do you get space. the bear? Do you get him throwing not the, the bear, bear into space? You might get the log. I'm not sure. Oh, the log. And you do get, you get yeah, some of the mechanical yeah. monsters. Um, which yeah. are cool, which are cool. Yeah. Totally. Um, and following this. Okay. So the plot of the film, let's talk about the plot of the film because the plot of the film revolves around Zeus's seven thunderbolts, which have been stolen by a group of four envious and foolish gods in order to unleash the diabolical forces of evil and chaos, which I thought had already been unleashed by the breaking of Pandora's jar. But now that I know that this is in a multiverse, I don't feel so bad about well, it. And because Pandora's jar is magic, the chaos that's unleashed in this world, Chris, is the chaos of science. Science. Yes. The four gods, by the way, in question are Hera or Hera, Aphrodite, Poseidon, who's a, a, a wimp. Poseidon is terrible. He's it really just, is the, kind of a, the weakest, worst version of Poseidon you will ever see. He does practically yeah, nothing. Honest yeah. to goodness. And Flora, who I've never heard of. I, I don't know who Flora is. But she um, does some stuff in this. She does some stuff. Poseidon she is does. worthless. She's all right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Poseidon's he's terrible. He's so bad. Uh, on Earth, all of this has led to somehow a woman being sacrificed to a fire monster. Now, Rob... Did you recognize the fire monster? Forbidden Planet. Yes! It is the monster of the id from one of the great science fiction movies of all time, Forbidden Planet. And apparently it was it was just that. It was a distorted version of the id monster from Forbidden Planet. I am amazed that that happens, although it sets the tone for this movie because there'll be something that happens at the end which is even more amazing in terms of just borrowing. Like, literally taking other films, famous films. Yeah. And, and because I don't read, as you know, and I rely on you, Chris, did they actually like get, did they have rights or did they just, the man who saved the world, this one, do you know? I don't know. I'm guessing I it was the latter. I honestly don't know. There's That's no way they got they'll the rights. Find out. There's no way. I mean, it's, it, I can't think that they did. I, I can't think that they would. I don't, I, it's. So run out everybody and watch this on streaming before uh, the, the copyright police have been alerted to this and the film has to get pulled <laughs> because there's no uh, way that this was uh, kosher with us copyright law. There's no way it is. It's, 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 it's madness. Uh, we are soon introduced to two women who at first I thought were sisters, but then I was doubting whether that was clear. Urania and Glaucia. And they are basically the characters we'll be following through this movie. Now, notice, I have made no mention of Hercules yet. And that is not an oversight on my part, because he takes a while to show up, because they only had a finite amount of time filming with Lou Ferrigno, because they had to fool him into thinking he was not in another movie. Well, I did get to see almost all of the first film in the first seven minutes of this one. So I feel like I have seen Hercules. Yes, um, it, it, it's. Oh, we should mention that. Um, you know, Urania and Glaucia decide to consult the little people 
who are apparently spirits that live in fire. We're going to hear a lot about the little people. I'm still not clear on who they are or why they called them the little Yeah, that I don't know. That seems almost like Celtic or Welsh or something, the little people. But essentially, yeah. yeah, and this doesn't exist in real life, but they are the mythic Greek version of the Mothra twins. That's really all you need to know. Mothra. And they, they are, uh, they're around the Zardoz heads for a while, right? I think. Um yeah, yeah, something close to the Zardoz has the the yeah, once again you know, not the, the actual ones. The they just is evil. ripped it off. Yeah, yeah, no, it just yeah, no, it's exactly. Um, anyway, apparently the moon is going to crash into the Earth, and Zeus can't prevent that from happening because he doesn't have his lightning bolts. And I'm like, wait a minute, don't the gods live on the moon according to the first movie? But again, multiverse, so maybe world. that doesn't matter. Yeah, different world. Uh, it is not until the 17-minute mark of this movie that we actually get new footage of Lou Ferrigno. And he very quickly comes across something that is a cross between a baboon and Bigfoot. And he has a fight with baboon foot and kills the creature. And it turns out that the creature is one of the thunderbolts in disguise. Mm-hmm. And it, every time he kills one of these, so that's going to be with this movie is him going around beating up these creatures and they turn into thunderbolts until he collects all of them. It's for those old school Doctor Who fans, it's a bit like the key to time where all of the segments, the key are disguised as objects through the universe. And here they're all monsters Hercules has to fight or nearly bum, all. Bum, bum. Yeah, I thought it looked like a Yeti with the face of a border collie. But I I take your point, Chris. Uh, I think we're in the ballpark with each other. Oh, and before this, just quickly, when Zeus is getting Hercules out of whatever like weird limbo he's put Hercules in, right? The stars in the sky or whatever. It's one of my favorite things. Zeus calls for Hercules like he's a dog. It's like, Hercules, Hercules. I'm expecting to be like, walkies! Come in, it's time for <laughs> yeah, dinner! Yeah, Hercules! <laughs> it was one of my, I just, I was so tickled by that, yeah. One thing I gotta say about this movie, the sound effects of this movie are bananas. Yep. They are the most strange and, and like, I, I, I don't know where they, like, unlike the first film where I think they were, yeah, they're right, they were from Star Crash. Here, they are not, and they're just so weird that I was, like, starting to question... I started to question whether my grip on reality. This movie made me start to question my grip on reality, which a hallmark, tenuous, a hallmark of cozy's movies. <laughs> that's the co- that's the cozy, that's the cozy way. Touch. <laughs> you will question cozy, your sanity. Cozy will make you do. <laughs> the four renegade gods decide they want to resurrect for reasons passing understanding. They want to resurrect King Minos from the last film because he did so well against Hercules the first and time. And Chris, I have. In all caps in my notes, as if I was writing to Hera, don't resurrect King Minos. He can't be trusted. No, he can't be trusted, and he sucks. (laughs) There's that, too. I hate this character. I really do. Anyway, like, here's a strange aspect of this movie. There seems oftentimes to be no correlation between the dialogue and what we're seeing on screen. So, for example, the four gods resurrect Minos, and he immediately wakes up and you know, he starts as a skeleton, and then he comes back, and then he immediately wakes up and says, Who awakens me? Oh, tis you three. And I'm like, dude, Poseidon is right there. But is he, though? Really? Not really. He sucks. He sucks, too. <laughs> I think that was just a burn. 
Minos is is mean. Uh, <laughs> Minos is even more insufferable in this movie than the first one. He like he actually talks more about science, and I just yeah, as you said, I think it's a bad choice for them for them to put the, all their eggs in the Minos basket. Yeah, it's, it's uh oh the Greek gods, you know you gotta. But you know when you're taking on Zeus, you're not in your right frame of mind. I think is what it boils down to. That's true. That's true. Hercules, by this point, has now met up with Urania and Glacia, and they all go inside this giant stone face after fighting some slime people, and they have an encounter with Medusa. And this sequence, I honestly feel bad for, because it suffers from the direct comparison to a very oh, it's similar the, one. It's a low-rent uh, low Medusa scene, for sure. Oh, yeah. oh it's a... Like, that, that Clash of the Titans scene is one of my favorites. Every, like, that is... That, to me, is the highlight of the film. And here, it's... It's, you know, uh, it's so not good. It's like Hercules takes on the Perseus role right down to the reflective shield, which in, in the Clash of the Titans, he's given at the beginning of the film. Here, there's a reflective shield just lying there. And I'm like, Medusa probably shouldn't leave those lying around. Yeah, but, you know, I'll say this for Hercules. Perseus never threw shit into space, did he? No, he did. But coming into here, that that stone face with the cave mouth it was a pretty cool. Like that location was was really cool. Yeah, I don't know if they built that or if that was just some old stuff lying around. Honestly, I want to get one for my backyard. If I had a backyard, I would put that. I totally put one of those in my backyard. By the way, I, I should talk about Minos. I love. That the gods who freed Minos immediately lose track of him. Like one of the gods says, like for three days and three nights, Minos has been sailing east. And the other responds, I know, I followed him to the edge of time and space. Which means that the edge of time and space is a three-day boat ride away. Yeah, well. I'm looking for logic here and it's a mistake. That is correct, my man. It is, uh, it's mythic <laughs> and co-fueled. So that is what you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, he ends up going to see Daedalus again, which I was happy about. And given that Daedalus. they're wearing the same costume for the first film, <laughs> Daedalus. Daedalus. It's like Ator and Ator. And I did look this up because I was, uh, I'm not up on my Greek uh, mythology as much as I should be. But uh, apparently both uh, are recognized pronunciation. And they claim, uh, Miriam Webster actually oh. claims that the American, the most frequent American pronunciation is Daedalus, which is not used in either film. I'm not. I'm not calling. I'm not calling. I'm not calling your Daedalus. It's just not going to yeah, happen. Yeah. Oh, I will say that Daedalus, Daedalus, Daedalus gives Minos an ice sword that was originally forged for Kronos, and and Minos says that it's the ultimate triumph of science over the gods. But if it was forged for Kronos, how the hell can that be? Well, Kronos was a Titan, right? Well, yeah, the god. Yes, and yes. Zeus is dead. Yeah, he was, he was, you know, yeah, Zeus's dad. So he'll make an appearance later. Spoilers. Yeah. And have nothing to do with the uh, ice sword. too. Really. <laughs> you would think you would think if it was his sword and you were going to bring him in that it might. But why? Why do that? Nope. That's not going to happen. Uh, Hercules and the two women have a few more encounters, including a knight who hangs dolls from trees. And he's another thunderbolt in disguise. And then Hercules and Urania leave Glaucia behind to journey to the undersea kingdom of Theotis. Oh, I love this. Now, oh my God. <laughs> because if you want, if you want to take a trip, you know, like, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, some hallucinogenic, this is the sequence for you because Hercules is worried he won't be able to breathe underwater. 
And that's a reasonable thing. So Glaucia holds out two leaves and says, if you swallow them, you'll be able to breathe. And, and Hercules asks what they are, and Glaucia responds, time is short, just take it. Yeah, which is something I heard in college a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then, well, they, they travel underwater in these weird colored beams of light. They meet three women. Two of them have mermaid tails and shells over their breasts. And clearly, Glaucia has doused Hercules with a hallucinogen. That is clearly what happened. Yeah, I, uh, you know, a little DMT will get you going there or something. Um, <laughs> but, but. Uh, those, maybe a little too much LDS. Yeah, yeah. Those, uh, those mermaids, though, are rather helpful. They point oh, the yeah. way. Yeah. Although it's not going to be easy, Chris. It they is do. not going to be easy. No. It won't be easy. It won't. I, it won't be easy. Except it will, <laughs> because it's Hercules. It's be very easy. It's gonna be super, super fucking easy. It's, Hercules <laughs> it's gonna be super easy. He's Hercules. Really, really, really easy. <laughs> it's gonna save us all. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then Hercules and Glaucia. Oh, by the way, Glaucia is kidnapped while they're gone and taken to be sacrificed to the id monster from Forbidden Planet, and Hercules saves her just in time, uh, and and the id monster turns out to be another Thunderbolt, which brings us up to four if you're keeping count. Um, Hercules and Glaucia split off for a while, while Urania goes to see the Oracle of Death. And that whole sequence, that sequence is amazing. so weird. I love it. She drinks the potion of the Oracle of Death. And then she gets transported to this astral realm where her hair is being blown by like a fan, like she's Olivia Newton-John in a music video. Yeah. You get the colored oh, yeah. lights going around and the stars, man. Like I, I wanted to drink the potion of the Oracle of Death after this. <laughs> <laughs> like sign me up. I think it's legal in Los Angeles no, Oregon. now is that you can just go Oregon. To, they have the government just, center. Yeah. Yes, you have to. But, they have, yeah, yeah, you could go to drink but before. Yeah, there's a licensed <laughs> psychologist to be yeah. there with you, though. Yeah. Hercules and Glaucia then do battle with these Amazon warriors and their leader, Arachne, who is the queen of the spiders. Now, for those listeners who might be spider phobic, <laughs> this is not like the high priest of the spider god from Ator the Fighting Eagle. No. There is no spiders to be seen whatsoever. Arachne is just a woman, and Hercules just strangles yeah, her. Yeah, but to when death. he strangles her to death, then she uh, loses her human form and becomes a spot. Oh no! No, no, no she not doesn't. a spider. She becomes like a, no. She becomes like a, a thunderbolt. No, she's the thunder. No, but she's before the, the thunderbolt, she like devolves into like this weird like scorpion goo or something. It's also not a spider though. I was trying to do a bit unsuccessfully, uh. but she's like. <laughs> she does not turn into a spider. She turns into something else and then a thunderbolt, I, which I found very bizarre. Well, that actually reminds me, I should say, it's something I, I should have mentioned before because we, we did talk about the, the Medusa sequence. Yeah. Um, one thing I actually really liked is their Medusa, their conception of Medusa, rather than having a, a, a woman's upper half and a snake, a, a lower half, had a scorpion yeah. lower half. And I thought that was really cool. Now, they didn't have the ability to realize that successfully whatsoever, but theoretically, it was really cool. Like, it, 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 it theoretically was interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, their, their Gorgon had, uh, it was the one thing where they decided to des- design something new. And uh, yeah, it looked good. We're not. We're up to five Thunderbolts now. And Minos and Daedalus do more scheming. And, and Daedalus, Daedalus, Daedalus or Daedalus, Either or, 
has one of Diddleous. my favorite lines in the movie. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Not saying that. Uh, the quote: "The goal of science, science is to release chaos and disorder." And I'm sitting here thinking. That's not right at all. Well, I think the the, the screenwriter has, had only read one book, uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. That was the only book that they had ever read. <laughs> they were very anti-science, super against science. Very anti-science. Maybe Dr. I Jekyll mean, and Mr. Like, Hyde as well. That, that's, I yeah. suppose. I guess, they, you know, uh, uh, Minos then kills the remaining rebel gods with lasers from his eyes. That's pretty awesome. And you have this moment. I love this moment. <laughs> where the two gods start running yeah. away, but they kind of pause because they're not sure if they're running on cue or not. And then they say, shout out, flee Aphrodite. And then, you know, they, they My they favorite go. part it's, of that is, whole bit is when King Minos says, science has given me the power to destroy them. <laughs> and it's beautiful. Science. It's, it's beautiful. It, it is. So the sixth Thunderbolt is located in space. And Urania says the sixth thunderbolt is in a rock. And 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 all of a sudden, when they get, the, get to the sixth thunderbolt, Glaucia makes a sudden heel turn and tries to kill the woman who I thought was her sister, but maybe is not. Um, and it turns out she's not Glaucia at all, that while Herc and Urania were tripping balls underwater, she was replaced by a clone that Minos made. And I'm just like, that blew my mind. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Blew my yeah, mind. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And you know, like, uh, and then, you know, he forces the clone Glaucia to kill herself for reasons I don't know. And I hate the character of Minos. And I'm so annoyed. I had to suffer through two movies of Minos. I would have much rather had Daedalus as the main. But villain. you get the most amazing thing fight between Hercules and Minos here. Oh, it is, yes. It is. Yes. We'll epic. get to that in a second. Cause there's one other thing we have to, we have to, 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 because there is the, dis, like, honestly, there's the dispatching of Daedalus by, oh, yeah. by Zeus. Zeus has finally decided to get involved. So he releases his father, Kronos to destroy Daedalus. And he does it by shouting out, Oh, Father Time! And it's like the Imperial Battleship halt the flow of time moment from this. It's amazing. Yeah. And you have this giant skull that shows up and kills Daedalus with lightning. Yeah, and it's eyes. in space, so it just looks like a Misfits album cover coming and killing Daedalus. Yeah. Oh, no. It's, it is it is yeah. amazing. It is so a, a progressive rock album cover. It's so cool. Um, and just the way he says it, uh, I couldn't even do it justice there. Oh, father time. <laughs> oh, my God. This movie. It, it 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 is amazing. Um, Hercules gets the back. Oh, I want to mention this. Hercules gets back the same sword and shield from his final battle with Minos at the end of the first film, and they have a rematch. Now, it's very important that he had back the same sword and shield because they literally use the same footage from the end <laughs> of Hercules One, except this time. They rotoscope them into like figures of light from a video game. And remember, 
Lou Frigno didn't know he was filming a sequel to Hercules, so another fight with Minos might have tipped the hand. And it's amazing. Yeah, because this whole movie, Hercules has not had a scene with Minos <laughs> until you get to no, the, not, the hidden like, stuff you, you here. You clearly shot them separately, yeah. and it's but Yeah, amazing. but there's like neon then, Tron, like outline fight oh yeah at yeah. one point he become there's like they turn into dinosaurs and king kong yeah no her yes hercules minos becomes a tyrannosaurus rex and hercules turns into a giant ape do you know why rob why because it's only strange until you realize the producers used the footage from the original king kong and rotoscope over it. That is what they did. <laughs> okay. It's amazing. Watch this movie so while that's you why can, Minos everybody. Goes... It's going to get pulled someday. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee it. I mean, it's... Yeah, so it's... Hercules is a giant gorilla, and and Minos is a giant ape, although he turns into a giant snake, because her, because King Kong also fights a snake on Skull Island. And King Island. Minos is a giant snake. And he is a giant snake, and Hercules wins, and Minos is thrown into the heavens, he's you know, destroyed, and uh, the last remaining rebel god, Hera, or Hera, whatever you like, repents. And that's when we get this movie's final twist. In some kind of suicidal spin on the Wizard of Oz, it turns out the final thunderbolt was hidden inside Urania all along, and she must die for it to be recovered. Oh, yeah, and she's Hera's daughter. Yeah, and she willingly sacrifices herself. Willingly. She begs her mom for the kiss because of death. Because the moon, the moon is still going to crash into the earth. So you still have this problem. That's and, true. And what I most love about this is it, it's at this point, after defeating the bad guy, where you get all of these awesome model shots. Again, I'm not going to say that they look real, but I'm yes. going to say they look awesome. Of all of the mos- model destruction of like what the moon coming into you know earth is doing to gravity and earthquakes and all that stuff. And I just thought, I remember the beginning of the movie when they said the earth, the moon was going to crash into the earth and all chaos was unleashed and it was going to be a huge problem. It might have been nice for the stakes to have seen some of this also yeah. at that point. So yes. we would have known yes. what Hercules was dealing with. But uh, it's like it's uh. like an Italian, uh, you know, Golan and Globus uh, uh Dean Devlin movie or something, or Roland Emmerich, Roland Emmerich. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Yes, yes. And and Hercules, he embiggens again, uh, like he's Ultraman, and stops the moon from crashing into the Earth. Why can't Zeus that do that? He's got his thunderbolts back. I don't know why he doesn't just do it. Um, and in the end, Hercules and Urania are placed among the stars. So I guess, I guess that's yeah. It. He's gonna be up there. She's gonna be up there, and. Uh, and then that's it. That's it. And uh, and presumably Lou Ferrigno eventually found out he was in Hercules too, <laughs> and not the shoots of Seven yeah. Magnificent Gladiators. And and that revelation apparently didn't sour Ferrigno's relationship with e- either Luigi Cosi or Messrs. Golden and Globus because they all team up again in a few years to make Sinbad of the Seven Seas. And who did did Cosi direct that one too, or or someone else? No, Cosi directed that, and it was produced by Golden and Globus. You know, that's another film festival that we we need to put on. Is the yeah. Luigi oh, Cosi yes. film festival just nothing oh, but wall to wall? Cozy. 
gutsy. You're not going to come out the same on the other no. side. I'm changed. I'm a changed man. I just watched yeah. two of these. Now, I guess, do we would we include uh, Seven Magnificent Gladiators because he did come in and... I think we'd yeah. have to. Yeah. You know, because I think There's that, enough that's, of his stamp. that's part of the archaeology yeah. of yeah. all this. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, and then, you know, Star Crash would obviously have yeah. to be... Well, I, I actually and, think Star uh, Crash is every other film. Just, we, <laughs> we keep showing Star Crash. <laughs> <laughs> and by the end, you will finally understand it. But oh, uh, I by the end, I'll I'll see yes. through time. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's in any case, uh, yeah. These movies are fun. Uh, the second one is kind of a mess, but given the the conditions under what, but still made, hella fun. Uh, I think it's fantastic. But it's still fun, yeah. you know. It's it's they're all good for the kids, you know. And and this was it feels a little bit of a detour off of our main path, but that's okay uh, because you know sometimes you have these detours and you discover fascinating things. And um, next week. Well, you know, next week you got to come back because we're going to circle back to the character that kicked off this series with 1984's sequel, Conan the Destroyer, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Grace Jones, and Wilt Chamberlain. How will Robert E. Howard's Sumerian warrior fare in his second big screen outing? Tune in and find out. We'll also be discussing another canon film sword and sorcery effort, The Barbarian. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be an exciting week next week, uh, with some, some really, some really interesting stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. We are your hosts, Chris Iannacone and Rob Lamorges. If you've enjoyed our show, please consider subscribing, following us on Twitter and Instagram at get me another pod. And if you like the show, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell the girl that lives on a skull shaped mountain wearing a cod piece. Cause she might be interested too. And join us next time as we continue to explore what happens when Hollywood says, get me another. I don't know if my brain's going to be fixed by next week. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, that's, that's, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I got to. I gotta, I gotta go into the, 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 you know, one of those, those chambers, those high, you know, those, hyperbaric chamber. Call it. Yeah. No, it's it's yeah with the water. Oh, it's oh the, you're talking it's the, about the um the, uh, the isolation tank, Sle- uh, the, the the sensory deprivation. Yeah, I want to get one of those, yeah. and that way yeah. I can move past my my Luigi Cosi experience. That's the that's I think the key to self repair. Yeah, you got to um, take time for yourself, Chris. You gotta you gotta do it honestly.